Uh, it's great to see y'all. Could you turn to someone around you and say good morning, Merry Christmas to them for a moment? Could you do that? Find someone and say that. May I have to shout across a few seats today? Hey, we are glad that you are here and we are thrilled. Those of you that are joining us uh, in person, those of you that are joining us through Church at Home Online, we are just, just thrilled to have you. Today we continue in our Advent series and I want to talk to you about the promise of peace. And so grab your Bibles, grab your devices, whether here or at church at home today. We're going to stop off in the book of Psalms for a few moments and then moments, and then we're going to go to Ephesians and then the book of Luke. Not preaching all of that, okay, but yet some, some selected texts from, from those. So today I want to talk to you about the promise of peace within our lives. And before we do that, to remind us that Advent is, there's two elements to Advent. It's that of remembrance, that of what Christ has done, and that of expectation is the what he will do and in that of the second advent of his return. And so I want to start with a very obscure verse from the book of Psalms today for a moment. It's Psalm 127 and verse 1. Maybe you've never read this before. I love this text today. And here is what it says. It says this, that it is useless to rise early and go to bed late. Now, I think that's wise, don't you think? Isn't that true? It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and to work your weary fingers to the bone. I thought that would be perfect for a t-shirt to put us a lot of words, but it's very wise words for you and I. It's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. And when I thought about what that, I thought about it's about living life without margin. And I want to talk about that for a few moments. And I'll read the rest of the text in just a minute with you. It, margin is that space between that of the load that you and I carry in life and that of our limit. It's that buffer. It's that reserve that you and I should have within our hearts and with our lives. It's that reservoir. Because so much of our life, it, well, maybe just me alone, I don't know, but yet so much of our lives are lived without reserve. It's lived without buffer. It's lived without that space within our life. No wonder we struggle with a little peace. No wonder we struggle with really desiring to have peace within our life. And so what he goes on to say, the psalmist says this, don't you know he, talking about God, enjoys giving rest to those he loves. Beside the word rest, write the word peace. And beside the word peace, write the word sleep. It's sounding good, right? And beside the word sleep, write the word death. Mark, that's, you, know, you could have left that one out because the word really means all of those things. You say, well, I'd like to have a little peace in my life and I get some peace when I go to bed at night, you know, and I go to sleep. And, and you know, sometimes we think, well, perhaps the only time I'm ever going to get any peace in this world is to die. And so it kind of covers all of that. Well, what I want to talk to you about for a moment is peace in this life. And it's a struggle for that. It really is. And we're going to really jump into that in a moment. But we all desire to have some peace within our lives. So let me kind of explain this to you a little further. I'm going to use my son, Grayson. Where's Grayson? He's, gonna, he's hiding back here somewhere. There he is. Um, Grayson, come here and sit down for me for a moment. This is my son, Grayson. He's the youngest of the three. And Grayson is uh, 20 years old. And he's single, correct, still? Yes, yes, good deal. All right. He's going to the highest bidder today is where it's going to go. No, no, I'm just kidding. That's not what this is about, right? But, so here's the thing, Grayson. So suppose that you earn $100, and I'm going to give you 100 bucks, right? I've given you a lot more than $100 over your life. That's for sure. Isn't that true? Okay. So you've earned $100. 
Yeah, no, no, I'm washing him. Plus, he has to come home because he needs a place to sleep and eat, right? So I give you, I give you a hundred dollars. You have earned that hundred bucks, and then all of a sudden you spend eighty of that. So give me eighty back, please. Um, he's a math guy. Do you have to count? Okay, okay. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Thank you. You give me. So what do you have left? You have 20. Very good. That's what a high dollar education brings you right there. Is that you have $20. And so that gives you your margin in life. Okay. So let's do it again. All right. You've made a hundred. Now you're going to spend $120. Okay. I've given you a hundred. You're going to spend 120. So give that back to me. 120 bucks. Okay. It's not possible. Do you have your wallet with you? No. <laughs> no. It was backstage. So what is, where does that leave you? Right. In debt, exactly. And that leaves you in struggle and trouble. That brings you to the limit of your life. Here's my thought. And I wanted to use Grayson to sort of explain this to you. This is where we live. We live at that $120 mark when we only have 100 And this is not about you in debt, okay? That's not necessarily about this. It's about how we live life at the very limit of everything is what we do. No wonder we struggle with dealing with peace and desiring peace in our lives because most of our lives is lived at this moment where there is no margin. There's no space. There's no reserve. There's no reservoir within our lives. And so we find ourselves in that place where we need margin. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're finished. And I'm keeping the money too, okay? For second service, yes. We find ourselves living in that place of of no margin or margin-less life. And, and, I, and so I, I begin to think through all of this and how that looks for you and I. Because what we do, we really struggle to, to make margin is what we do. And so there are thir- certain moments and times in your life and certain situations that you can do that in, right? That you can make adjustments to your time schedules and you can make adjustments to your, your, your um, things, your obligations, and you can take some things out and you can put some things in. You can make that. But what do you do about those moments when you can't influence those situations? What do you do about those places in your life that you can't make changes, right? What do you do in those moments? Well, you know, if I could have just some peace away from my kids, well, you can't give your kids away, right? And if my spouse would just give me a little peace in life, well, you can't give them away. Well, I know well, you shouldn't, right? Isn't that right? Yes. So, so what do you do with those moments that you can't adjust within your life? Because you can read every Every book on the shelf, and there's so many good things about having rest within our lives and having those moments. But what do you do about those things that you can't affect in life? Because we all experience them, and some of you are experiencing them this morning. Because what I realize is this the struggle for peace is real. Understand that. The struggle for peace in your life and my life, it's absolutely real. And to start this conversation about peace today, I think we have to start with why we struggle with that. Why there is this unrest within our lives. And what I want us to have is a 30,000 foot view of what this means in our life and why we struggle. So I go back to the way you and I are created. We've talked about this before. That we are created with three entities within us as God's creative order. We're much like God, but we are not God. In fact, the Bible makes that very, very clear to you and I that we were made in his image or his likeness. So we are not God. And, and so what I understand is we're more than one head and two arms and two legs. And some of us have hair and some of us don't have hair, right? Yeah, there's one down there. That's exactly right. So we're, it's more than that. But what I realize is that God has made us both body 
and God has made us both soul and God has also made us spirit. And God has made us body, soul, and spirit. And I think it's important that we understand that from the beginning of of how we are put together. Because that body portion of us, that's the sinful nature of our lives. It always wants to control us. And it always wants to simply guide our lives. And And the flesh always desires control. The Bible says that you and I were born with a seed of sin. That we have this propensity to sin. We we are we are bent towards sin in our life. That's our body. Then our soul is our personality. You know, big personalities, small personalities, sense of humors and and weirdness uh, or some. Whether you are an extrovert or an introvert, that's all has to do with our soul, our personality. And then there there is our spirit. There is our spirit, that eternal portion of all of us. Whether you are here today a believer or a non-believer, then we're all the same in that we have that eternal portion of us in life. It's much like what you and I have been talking about through our Roman series, that before conversion within our life, that sin rules our life as the controlling factor of our lives. God is out on the margins of our lives and he's drawing us to him through his loving kindness. It's very much like that. There's always been a struggle within our lives. There always will be a struggle within our lives. And the spirit part of you and I is what God is drawing to himself. That's the portion of us that he is drawing to himself. And so at redemption, what God does He reorders the arrangement of control within our lives. Before redemption, the body controls us, the flesh controls us, then there is our soul and our spirit. But after redemption, what happens is that body and that spirit changes place in that line, in that order of control within our lives. So we become controlled by our spirit. And what happens is this, God is redeeming our spirit and he's regenerating our spirit. That is sanctification. So we're growing and we're becoming more like Christ. And so the point of all of this is the struggle for peace is real and the struggle for peace is greatest within us. That's why we struggle. That's why we struggle for peace in our life because of the the struggle that's inside of you and I. That's exactly it. At that moment of redemption that God comes into our life and he reorders that control, but we still live in this body. And as long as you and I live in this body, that we're going to struggle. There's going to be that conflict with inside of us between that of our spirit and our body and who controls us and who leads us. And so it's the tension of Advent is what it is. We understand the already that Christ has come. He came as the incarnate Christ. Absolutely. We understand that he will come in the second Advent and he will make all things right and he will make all injustices right. But we live in the middle of that, in the tension of that, where you and I are still in the struggle between that of our spirit and our flesh. Say, Mark, what does that have to do with peace within my life? Because even though that my spirit is in control and God is regenerating my spirit, I still live in this body. I still struggle with peace in my body. Because why? Because my body wants to control. And the way my body wants to control is simply through worry and doubt and fear and anxiety. And those are all enemies of peace within our lives. It's the very explanation as to why you and I can simply feel unrest with inside of us when everything around us seems to be peaceful. When we can't really pick out one thing in our minds that would cause us to be restless, 
yet we feel restlessness within us. Why? Because it's the battle that goes on inside of us. I think that's important for you to understand why you feel the way you do at times within your lives. We lack peace within us when things can be very peaceful around us because of what is going on inside of us. So the psalmist helps us in this area. He says in Psalm 139 and verse 23, here's what he says, search me, O God. He says, and know my heart, try me, he says, and know my anxious thoughts. Listen, I can place all the unrest in my life, all the deficit of peace within my life today, all the fear and anxiety, I can place that on things that are going on in the culture and the world around us. I can place this unrest in my life on the pandemic. And yes, I understand that. And I can place it on the unrest in our culture. I can place it on maybe you have some future economic concerns about our world. I can place this unrest in my life on that of our current leadership in our nation and our future leadership within our nation. Can I tell you not to glance over all of that? I get that. I really do. I get the, I get the unrest. Yes, I go through the same thing. I have the same thoughts, you know. Preachers don't live in an, ice, an, an isolated bubble away from the world. We don't, right? Uh, we don't have a monastery here and we all kind of just shut ourselves off from the world during the week and we come out just to, to have a moment to share the gospel with you on Sunday morning. So I get all of that. I really do. But when I read this from the book of Psalms about peace in my life, and anxious thoughts, what I realize is this all comes back to me. It all comes back to my heart. David says, search me, O God, is what he says. That I look inside myself, know my heart. He says that you know my anxious thoughts. He says, try me. That it comes back to me. I have to start here if I'm going to have a discussion with you about peace in this world. So, when I was preparing this teaching for you this week, and, and I, I prayed through this and thought about this, I thought about my own life, and I have to share some struggles with you today. And I, and I want to be very transparent with you this morning. And, and I want to share a personal struggle that I currently have. Reba and I are currently having this struggle. And, it, and it's not that, like, you know, we don't have this issue going on between us. Like, she doesn't like me anymore, and I'm kind of, you know, not liking her. That's not what I'm talking about, right? Because we really, really like each other a lot, right? You know, it, sometimes she may not like me a whole lot. But yet, you know, I, I struggle with this pandemic. I do. I struggle with it. And, and let me tell you how I struggle with this. And Reba and I, I think I speak for both of us, that we're restless in our hearts. And, and you say, Mark, you're a pastor. You should never be restless within your heart. Really? Then, then what do you... Listen, if you cut me, I bleed. Do you understand that, right? You, you understand that, okay? And, and so I, I, I'm living in a time and a season in my life when I am experiencing a great deal of restlessness. Let me tell you why. Because I can't do what I feel like I'm called to do. What do you mean? It's like when, when you're sick and in the hospital, when we've had people from this church who have been in the hospital with COVID, 
that I, ha- I can't even go visit them. And that's a big part of what I do. And that's what I love doing. And you say, well, you know, there's nothing special about your prayer. I realize that. And there's some of you that don't want me to come pray for you, probably. I, and and I, I, maybe I understand that also. That's an inside joke. But yet the, the, realize, the reality is that I can't do what I'm called to do. I'm praying with people over the phone, but I can't go to the intensive care unit and be with families. They, they, they won't allow me to do that. I'm preaching way too many funerals of friends. You say, Mark, this is a real downer on like the like Christmas Advent season. No, I, I just want to be honest with you. This is the culture that we're living in, that I preach too many funerals of friends who have died during this pandemic. And I know that some of you have views about this, and I love you, but please don't start the semantics with me about all of this. Understand this, that, that it, doesn't make, it doesn't make me a liberal just because I have these feelings today. And I want you to understand that. So Reba and I have gone through all these moments of great anxiety. We have, because I'm a fixer. You know, that's kind of the way God made me. I'm a fixer, so I like to fix things, and I like to see people fixed. And, and what I am right now is a very frustrated fixer. I don't know. Is that a term? I don't know. I, I, but I'm a very frustrated fixer. I, I, I'm, like a, I'm like a carpenter that doesn't have a hammer, right? Or, or a surgeon that doesn't have a scalpel. And I thought when I put those together, that's very interesting, isn't it? Yes, that, that I find myself running on a, a deficit of peace within my life. And when I read this from the book of Psalms, what I realized that that search for peace for me, for Mark as a child of God, that peace for me starts within my own heart. It starts within my heart. It's the struggle. It's the conflict within me. Yes, I understand what's going on in the world, and it's a real situation that is surrounding us. All types of situations are, are very real around us. But what I understand is a struggle within me. It's between that of my body and my spirit. I understand that. And, and what Ephesians does, and we're going to read this in a moment from Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, what Paul says to us, let's have a conversation about peace within your life is what he does. Because in my mind, and maybe in your mind, peace comes at the conclusion of a conflict. But what I realize about the Bible and Scripture is this, that in the Bible, peace comes in the middle of the conflict of our life. Understand that it becomes in the middle of the struggle. The peace comes in that moment when I am at that $120 moment of my life, and I only had $100 to spend, right? That I can't make people love one another, and I simply can't fix everybody's brokenness within their lives. Yes, I'm concerned about the future of our nation, regardless of who our leader is. It still concerns me. And what I realize that I can't fix all of those things, but I'm desperate for peace within me. So I have to understand how peace is realized in my life. That's that's where I've come to. And it's in the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Grab your Bibles, turn there for a moment and follow along with me. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14. And here's what Paul says to us about peace. It's powerful. For he himself is our peace. I think you could just read that. We could pray. We could go home because that's so wonderful. But let's kind of flesh that out for a moment together. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down 
in his flesh, the dividing wall of hostility, who is us. And, and if you look at it contextually, he's talking to Jews and to Gentiles, but he's also talking about God and our relationship with him. And just as we realized regarding hope last week in our discussion, we have this expectation that when Christ came to this earth as the incarnate Christ, fully God and fully man, that he just brings peace into our lives. But when I read this text, what I realize, like it, hope is, as we talked about last week, that not only does he bring peace, he is peace. That's the very essence of who he is. That's important for you and I to understand because that being the essence of who God is means that whatever goes on in the world around me does not affect who God is. And it doesn't affect peace because peace comes from him because he is peace. He himself is our peace. It's as much about who he is as what he does. And then Paul says, we've been made one. And I thought, what does that mean? Well, in context, he's talking about that of Jews and Gentiles. When you read this all together and put in that element of peace, what I realize that not only are you and I one, but we have become one with God. And I think that's such a powerful thought because what I realize is that I realize peace within my life when I realize my position in God. That's exactly what he's teaching us. When I realize that God and I are one because it's him and he initiates that relationship with me, then then I have peace within my life. And when I thought about that, I thought about how Jesus prays over you and I in John chapter 17. It's called the high priestly prayer because he talks about my relationship with him and our position with him and the father. Can I read this to you? And for a moment, when I read John chapter 17 to you, Just let this wash over your soul for a minute because it's so powerful about who we are and where we find peace within our life. He says this in John 17 and verse 6, that I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. This is about who we are this morning and they have kept your word now they know that everything that you have given me is from you for i have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them have come to know in truth that i came from you and they have believed that you sent me i am praying for them i am not praying for the world but for those whom have you have given me for they are yours look at this last verse verse 10 all mine is yours And yours is mine, and I am glorified in them. It's who we are in Christ. It's who we are in the Lord. It's our position and our relationship with him. The world remains broken. Let's make that a point. The world remains broken until Christ returns. The world remains broken, but that does not release you and I from working to redeem the things in the world that are broken. That is important that we continue to work in Christ to redeem the things in this life that are broken. That is important. But what I realize in the middle of living life at that $120 level, when I only have $100 because I can't fix everything in life, that we have peace because we belong to him. That's it. That we have peace because we belong to him. They were one with the Father, we're one with the Son, we're one with each other. That's what he teaches us. Ephesians 2, continuing in that chapter, verse 15, says this, By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, 
that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility that it's the gospel, it's the gospel that destroys the brokenness within our lives. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those that were near. Peace is realized in my life when I realize who I am in God. And that's a journey. I mean, that's not a one and done deal, is it? No, that's a journey for you and I as we go through these ups and downs in life. That's a journey to realize who we are in Christ. That peace is not the absence of conflict within us. No, that's what I wish it was sometimes, right? That God would just fix everything in my life and then I would have some peace. That's not it at all. It's an understanding of who we are in the middle of unrest in my life that we can have peace in God is what it is. Because when I read this this text, this prayer, what I realize is this, that we have been gifted to the Son by the Father and the Father gifts us back, the Son gifts us back to the Father covering us in His righteousness. So that's who we are in Him. He says in verse 18, and through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. And what that means is that you and I are living in the same space of grace. We're living in that same space of grace. The incarnate Christ comes. He breaks down the walls of hostility, not just between us, but he breaks down the walls of hostility between you and God. He breaks down the hostilities, the walls of hostilities in my heart of fear and of worry and anxiety, of feeling helplessness, of being feeling like an outsider. And he says, hang on, because there's something better. There's something better. Because if all I had in my life to depend upon was what is around me tangibly in this world, then how can I find peace? And what I realize is there's something better. That the realization of something better brings peace within my life. And at some point, we have to come back to the Advent story. At some point in our discussion this morning, we have to come back to this story. To the realization there's something better than everything else in this world. Because if this is all I have, then where am I going to find peace and answers in this world? If all I have is a three and a half inch experience in life because that's about as far as I know the future for me or for you then where do I find peace and I find peace in the advent it's Luke chapter 2 and verse 8 Luke chapter 2 verse 8 says this to you and I and you've heard this story before but I think that for a moment could we brush the dust off of it for a moment for our lives And see something fresh and beautiful. It says in the same region there were shepherds out in the field. Keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them. Fear not. For behold I bring you good tidings of great joy. That will be for all the people. And I wrote in the margin of my notes. In my Bible, there's more. There's more than just this. There's more than just the brokenness that surrounds us at times. But there is something better. 
And so the angel proclaims to the shepherds in the field that night, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the King. There is something better. And this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, if I can just know that there's something better, I can have hope, right? Isn't that true? That, that applies not just in a spiritual aspect, but that applies in so many other areas of our life. If I just know that there's something is better, then I can have hope. If you read through the Old Testament, it's full of prophecies that proclaim the coming of the incarnate Christ. For thousands of years, people lived with hope of something better. So for a moment, before we pray, can you just wrap your mind around the reality that hope became something tangible for us? The peace we need in our lives is not founded on a hope that is somehow some ethereal idea. But when I read this story, I realize that angels appear to shepherds. They announce the birth of the Christ child. But they take a step further and they say to the shepherds, you will find him. And I thought the announcement could have been enough, couldn't it? Yes. The announcement of the Christ child could have been enough. But yet they say to the shepherds, you will find him. It's it's peace realized. It's something that you and I can wrap our arms around. It's the incarnate Christ, fully God and fully man, realized hope brings real peace in our life. That night in a, in a cave, in a forgotten town called Bethlehem, peace invaded our world. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel's response, oh, it exemplifies the way you and I should feel every time we read this story. I, I, I thought about this, that every time we read this, we have to read this with this caption, there is something better. There's something better than what's around us. A moment that lessens all other moments that we'll ever experience in this life. A, a magnificence that will be more magnificent than every other experience in this world. It's greater than all the unanswered questions of my life. It's peace. The greatest beauty of all existence is before us. And I truly believe the more we gaze on that glory of God the more peace we experience in our life exponentially. Because there's something better. It's a peace that transcends all the things of this world. It doesn't ignore the things of this world. But it transcends all the things of this world.
So I use my imagination because scripture is written so we can use our imagination. That night on a hillside, shepherds are gathered. The sheep are down for the evening. Shepherds are not the group of guys that you invite over to your house for a cookout in the backyard. Because shepherds, before they leave, would probably steal everything in your house. That's what they were. They were social outcasts. They would not even be welcome here in church. They were not allowed to come to the temple. I thought that night when that angel appeared to them first, and all of a sudden in their moment of being startled, what was the language that they used, right? You, you, you wonder, think about that. They're in the middle of a field in the middle of the night, and all of a sudden there's an angel that appears, and there probably was some, oh my, you know, whatever's, right, said, because this is the kind of guys that they are. They hide the stash from all the things that they have been pilfering from the village that they are near. In Jewish culture, they're viewed as outside the covenant promise because they're viewed as being unclean. So as long as you remain a shepherd, you're not redeemable. And into sin and into fear and confusion into pain and sickness and rejection God speaks undeniable peace through his son so I thought did the coming of the Christ child the incarnate Christ change the world around these shepherds and can I tell you honestly it did not because it's not long after this that Herod seeks to kill Jesus. Did this coming of the Christ child change the way people saw and treated shepherds? And I would say to you, probably not. But it changed them. Because peace takes place here. Even when the world doesn't accept you. I think it's such a powerful thing that transcends anything that we ever experience in this life. And for a moment as we have read this story, that you let that wash over your heart and let that wash over your mind this morning. For where the world devalued them, God invested in these group of guys. Because understanding who we are in Christ brings peace to you and I in tumultuous times. So what I say to you this morning in closing is this, fight for peace. Fight for those moments of margin within your life. Yes, make those adjustments where you can. Not ignoring your responsibilities or those that you are responsible for, but fight for peace within your life. But then also realize there's those moments when you can't change things. You can't affect them. So realize who you are in Christ. And realizing who you are in Christ 
gives you peace in the middle of all the things in this life you can't change. And the third thing is this. Don't miss what is right before your eyes. The beauty of the Christ child. Because everything else in this life that we would deem beautiful pales into significance of who he is. So for a moment, take some time to let that wash over your soul for a moment. So would you bow your heads with me for just a moment? And I just want to give you that moment today. Father, You know where we are in life. God, you know what our experiences are, what our obligations are today. Father, you know where our concerns lie, where our worries are. God, you know the things that we are doubting at this moment. And yet you're here with us. You have not rejected us because of our fear. You have not rejected us because of our doubt or our worry or even our unrest. But in fact, those things have caused us to even seek you more. So, Father, for a moment, may we let this story that we may have heard so many times wash over us in a very fresh moment in our lives. To realize that there is something better. And it's not, God, just an ethereal hope out there that somehow reminds, it is reminded to us every year by all the shadows of the season and all the songs and all the things, but yet that hope translates into real peace with us. through who you are and through who we are in you. God, as you gave the angels something amazingly tangible or the shepherds something amazingly tangible to hang on to, you do that for us today in giving us peace in the middle of life can't figure it out and when we don't have all the answers so thank you for peace that we find in you today Lord so Father today in this moment we lay our fear before you and our doubts and our worries we lay our concerns about those things that maybe we can affect and those things that we know we can't. We lay those things before you. God, believing that you are better than everything in this life, you are better. And that hope translates into real peace within us. We trust you today, Father, for peace that passes all of our understanding in our humanity 
that today, as you reminded us in the book of Ephesians, that you are our peace. That you are our peace, Lord, in this life. So, Father, I speak peace to everyone in this room. Not through me, but through you, Father. May we be reminded this week that who we are in you. Thank you, Father, for your peace that washes over us today through this story of the Advent. And we thank you, Father, in your name. 